0: You are listening to What Do You Know, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly in the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or the Spotify app. Also visit us at Facebook.com 1830 Podcast Network for more information. And now, what do you know? Hello? Hello? Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Thanks for answering the call. And uh, I'd like to welcome everyone to the podcast and say uh, uh, hello to Kevin McGee.
1: I appreciate you having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's um, my pleasure. I'm really excited for this uh, tonight's podcast. And um, without further ado, we jump right in on this thing. So uh, if you're ready, can you share a testimony of your calling?
1: Sure can. Um Let's see. I was I was called, and it was at now I'm, I should have I should have prepared for this.
0: The they can't are remember. the same questions every time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, know, I know. I was listening to them today to prepare, and and this is what I come up with: it's performance anxiety. Um, I can't remember if it was reunion or conference. Uh, but I'll say this: I was 24 years old, and like a little background to that, it was not something. That I was expecting. I can't say it was a complete surprise, but uh, I'd say for the previous two and a half, maybe three years, I felt like the Lord was the Lord was working on me. And I I grew up in the Church of Christ, born and raised. I've never known anything different other than um, I attended a private school, private Christian Baptist school when I was when I was younger. Uh huh. And so I you know so there's some comparison there, and ministry was something that that you decided that you were going to do, you went to college for um and you received a diploma and you were you were then a preacher right right um, in the Church of Christ, we'd always you know had something different, and I can't say that I really made a decision which one I thought was was right until I just felt you know I got married when I was 21 and at that point I realized I I was and I'd been baptized I had faith in God faith in Jesus Christ but but the finer details of the gospel I can't say that I had a that had a firm grip on and I just realized it's time it's time to be a man it's time to decide for yourself and so as I began to study I kind of got pushed in that direction too uh the business meeting at church i was elected to be sunday school superintendent and i realized that i needed to prepare for that and as i as i would prepare week to week and i would read the scriptures i was gaining this understanding this you know at at times it would come it would come over like a flood you know the the truths that are there and the understanding and at some point i just i remember I, i Other speakers on the podcast have have noted that they don't know that they've heard an audible voice from the Lord, but it was more like an internal voice speaking to me, and I just remember the word prepare, Just, just prepare, and I can't say that I thought too much about it other than I needed to listen to it, and I needed to study, and I needed to make these decisions for myself, and as I studied and I grew in the understanding, that voice was still there, prepare. And, and so I just was preparing for the rest of my life and to be able to answer these questions myself and, you know, uh, gain my, gain my own personal knowledge and conviction of, of the truth of the gospel and, and the, um, the truth of the church of Christ and the the fullness of the gospel that's there. And it was it, it was at this meeting that. I was sitting in a folding chair. It was, the congregation was full. Um, we had to add chairs in the aisles and I remember sitting there, I remember exactly what I was wearing and I was sitting next to my parents in the aisle. And I'll be honest with you, I is, is I will do my attention start drift in the service and it was testimony and I could feel my attention kind of slipping. And our brother, the late uh, Bill Sheldon, was standing and giving a testimony. And I'll be honest with you, I can't remember listening to every word that he was saying. But I know at some point, and this is before, before he initiated a calling, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And I knew something was going to happen. I knew at that moment something was going to happen. And... I knew that he was going to say my name and he was going to say the name of my brother, uh, Rusty Granger and call us. And he did. And it's, it's an overwhelming feeling when the spirit gives you that knowledge of what's going to happen, what's going to take place. And, uh, so I just sit, sat there and listen, our brother, you know, give this calling and immediately, as As we do as as human beings, we try to find an out because i can't say that i've ever wanted to be a minister it 's not something that that I looked forward to it wasn't something I thought was uh, my destiny or anything like that. I had plenty of men in my family that were had been called, and I really didn't see myself in that in that role and I remember. I remember a minister in our church um, took one of my friends with him um, on a trip. And during this, and my friend came back from this trip when was excited and was telling me about it. And he had mentioned that on this trip that this minister had told, it was talking about his, his role as an elder in the church. And he looked at him and he said, I know that you are going to be called someday. And I remember Thinking at that time, there was, I'm sad to admit, there was a sense of relief hearing hearing this said to one of my friends, like, he knew that this was going to happen, and no one had ever told me that, and so I almost felt a sense of relief, almost like I had kind of dodged a bullet there. We flash forward about 10 years, and, you know, this friend of mine is sadly no longer in the church and I'm hearing my voice called in this calling and I have no doubt but sitting there it's it's a human weakness to have doubt and I and I wanted the Lord to confirm it more to me I wanted to want to have more of a sense of of knowing and so I had two particular people in mind that I that I just needed the Lord to to give a witness to the calling and so there were many many witnesses to that calling and one of those men stood up and confirmed uh, gave a witness to that calling confirmed to me that the word heard what I heard my my desire and then a few minutes later the second the second man stood and it was I had decided that I needed I needed to hear from my brother Rick Olson and my uncle Frank. and without that I just felt like I couldn't be confident. and both of those men stood and gave witness to that calling and I, I just couldn't deny that this is what the Lord um, had in store for me and what was his desire. and so you know, despite despite my own inadequacies, I knew I had to I knew I had to accept that calling.
0: You know, when you, you, you made mention of it earlier that you had a family that have been called and, and, you know, right, right away, I'm thinking, you know, your uncle and your father are two pillars of the, of the church. Uh, it seems natural for me to expect that of you, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense or if I, it's not a reach for me. I, I can see that the Lord is working in your family. Uh, so so yeah, I I see that and then it's interesting to me that maybe it's not interesting, maybe I totally understand that you you would say well Frank Fan and Rick are the two are the two that <laughs> that if they say something it's like I don't know if that that's comical to me but but uh uh I don't know, that's just what went through my head just then. But but yeah, well, what a special uh uh witness and and, and story uh not story, um uh, testimony that the hair Rising up on the back of your neck, I I remember as a child. I think I've said it before in podcasts. As a as a younger, I was a baptized member, but I was younger and and like you said, I didn't know everything, but I knew what was right and what was good, and that this is what you should do. And I was I was a baptized member, and I was in a service, and one of the apostle uh, house next stood up to speak, and I was in the back row, maybe maybe goofing off a little bit too much, but my attention changed and I looked up and I felt it and my arm, the arm hairs on my arm were standing up and I was, you know, these aren't, it was just a feeling of electricity that, that was in the room. And I, and I, I remember uh, thinking this is, this is weird. This is different. And and I've never felt this before. And I thought, well, this is just what happens. Like it's normal. It happens all the time when you're in, you know, church that the Spirit of God does things and, and says and so because I it was just uh uh what am I trying to say that it hasn't really happened. I haven't felt it a lot since then. I haven't been uh chosen by God to to have those witnesses, but it's very distinct. And and when you said that hair on the back of your neck, it's like I know what that is. I, I don't feel it all the time, but I know what that is.
1: I I wish there was a way to to go back and revisit that. Because I think in our youth when things like that happen, we take for granted that hey, this doesn't happen all the time. And
2: <laughs> there yes. may be
1: long stretches of time where before you're gonna feel this again. So don't so appreciate every second of it. And yes. Yeah. So I can tell you, at least um, when you mentioned my brother Rick, just as a, as a kind of a funny note on that, Rick is such a strong man in understanding and wisdom, and it goes back younger. Why I needed that witness from from my brother is it goes back a long time to when we were in church camp. And, and my, my friend Jared and I were, were a camp. There were campers in, in Rick's cabin one year and we were just so awful to Rick. I mean, we <laughs> were so, we were so terrible to him and I've, and I had this insecurity with him because I was, I was a child. Rick's seen me since I was a child and he's seen me grow. And I was so awful to him. And I just have had this hang up thinking he can never take me seriously as a man and potentially as a minister. And so if, if he who has seen me be so awful as a young man can have a witness to my calling, I, you know, we put all these stipulations on the Lord and how, and how we need to experience um, his working in our life. And, and often God, God is able to do that. God is able to give us those assurances, even though we don't deserve them. He is, he is willing and he is merciful, graceful enough to give us those witnesses the way that we need them.
0: Yes. I love that sentiment. Exactly. And it sounds like we need to have Rick on here next, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, isn't that what camp is for though, for us to terrorize our counselors and you know, it's, I think you did nothing in the unnatural. I mean, that's what we're there for.
1: Well, thank you for making me feel better after the fact I still, you know, there's things that you do when you're younger and they haunt you till today rick probably doesn't remember it at all i'm sure i'm sure it was no big deal he's had his own children i'm sure that they were terrible to him at at times so so i'm sure i'm sure i didn't do any particular damage to rick it's just it was just something that stuck with me
0: it's it kind of goes along with uh we know ourselves right and there's there's sometimes the hardest thing to do is to forgive ourselves we know who we are we know the sins we commit better than anybody. And so uh, the asking forgiveness of others is easy. And, and forgiving others is easy. Forgiving ourselves is much harder to do. And I think there's an aspect of that in what you're describing.
1: That, that is so well put. Um, exactly. I, I've had someone that I've talked to recently say, you know, when I was expressing this, it's, it's so hard to forgive yourself. And, and they were telling me a good way to practice this is to be aware of how you speak to yourself and to ask yourself, would you talk to your friend this way? And, and there are, th- you know, there are ways that we talk to ourselves in the way that we, we have our internal conversations um, uh, and we're so harsh to ourselves and so unforgiving. And and we would never speak to a friend or a spouse that way that we do. And so so when we think about our sins, it carries over. We carry that guilt and that shame, and we don't really internalize the, the truth that God has forgiven those. If God is able to forgive those, we have to be able to forgive, forgive ourselves, too, because we're, we're just impeding our own progress that he wants us, and joy that he wants us to have.
0: Absolutely.
1: What's so was really well put, what you said.
0: And and that's what faith is, right? Do you believe the words that are said or not? Right. You, know, you didn't commit the, the unpardonable sin. Well then you're good. You can be forgiven. That's what God wants to do. That's his nature. Uh we're we're going off on a huge tangent right now. I wanna say a little bit, Introduce. I mean we're all getting to know Kevin really well, uh, but I wanted to introduce uh the thought that one of the things I appreciate about you and I've noticed about you is that we are both competitors and I, I love a good competition and, and also like a human interest story. And I think you and I are the two people that would cry the most in Hoosiers or Rudy or a sports movie where, where something an underdog wins, you know, and it, and it pulls at my heartstrings. Are, are you that type of person? Are you, do, do you have that?
1: Absolutely. Um, as far as sports go i i haven't let myself enjoy sports i feel like what most people do because i have you know a, a predilection for rooting for the underdog and an aversion to, to dynasties all the great sports dynasties were my least favorite teams yes yeah.
2: yes honestly
1: the the great bulls basketball teams i i despise i despise them the patriots now that they're finally done i'm so happy <laughs> and yeah, truly, truly Rudy When when Rudy runs out onto the field and his dad looks out on him and says, this is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. Because, <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, yes, I, I, ab- abso- absolutely, absolutely. Yes, you are 100% correct. On I
0: that. I know I, I'm re- when and Hoosiers when he's saying I love these guys. I love you guys. And yeah. you go up to that that picture and they're all there that team that you know that's been sitting up there on the wall of a gym in nowhere Hickory, Indiana. Nobody <laughs> knows the story of that team, but everybody who watched this movie does and we all know the meaning of that picture and those guys and and you just you sit there at the end of the movie in darkness and just let it let it flow over you. And just so, so I, I appreciate that you have that, we have that connection, that, that bond. Uh, but moving on now, now that we've said that the question number two, um, how long and how much do you prepare for a typical sermon and how many sermons have you preached?
1: So I mentioned this in uh, my last sermon uh, at the temple lot. That's something that I've been, that I've been kind of insecure about because when you are when you're called into the ministry, and you accept the calling, once you have that title, whether you're called to be a teacher, a priest, elder, whatever the case may be, the, there's no hey, there's no handbook. There's no you know there's no guide there to teach you how to do it. There's no instructional class.
0: There's no uh, seminary school.
1: There's no seminary. You you are. It's between you and the Spirit leading you truly and you know your years of growing up in the church but you don't know anything in life until you have to do it yourself there's you, you can see something a thousand times which you know what that's like sitting in the in the pews and listening to sermon after sermon and going through all the services but until you're in charge of a service you don't really know it until you have to have the order and direct it all and it's the same with preparing for a sermon so i've always been not unsure of whether I was doing it the right way. So I would say early on, I would over-prepare. I would, I would spend so much time and it was, it never, it didn't work for me. So I would, I would start early in the week and I would have, I would pray and I would wait for the word leading and I would, in my study, something stood out. Then I would, you know, decide maybe that will work for a sermon. Since then, just listening to the ser- to the spirit and and praying at some point, once uh, you typically when I know that I'm you know, been asked to preach, the Lord puts something on my heart. and I will make a few notes on that. And then as the time draws closer, I will start to read scriptures you know involving whatever thought or scripture that might be. and I'll really dig in. Probably the probably the day before I will typically if I'm preaching Sunday morning, then Saturday is going to be mostly taken with me preparing for that sermon. So I'd say. A good four plus hours and and like my brother, Dwayne was saying on on this podcast, he he has to take a lot of notes and that is that's how I prepare. Also, I don't I don't have the gift like the Yates family does, where you know you could spin, <laughs> you could you could spin a wheel, and with a hundred different topics, and each topic they could stand and preach a two-hour sermon. My <laughs> my brain does not operate that way. I I have to be prepared down to to the particular words that the Word wants me to say, and so that's how I, I have many pages of notes, and I follow those notes very closely. Um, I'd say it's, you know, I was called when I was 24, I'm now 40 years old and it's not until recently that I am able, and this is through the earth, what I feel like the Lord is pressing me to do is to, to release a little bit, to, to, to let go of, you know, like this grip of note taking and, and let him lead as I'm, as I'm speaking, um, so i'd say you know a good 4 to 4 to 5 hours um to prepare for a sermon and yeah it's it's and like i said during during that sermon when i was talking about this i know that it's all i know that it's inspiration because once i'm done i feel like that work was done and i don't really remember that sermon i remember scriptures from it i remember points that i made but i don't i don't remember much past that so i just it's just the way that the lord works with me and that's just how i've operated and like i said you know when I, I read in the scriptures that there's different administrations it, may, it makes me feel better and i you see it you see it borne out in the way our, our ministry
0: work and yes. operate yes uh, but do you have a number do you have you I'm, thought of the number yeah that's another um i would say that's another
1: uh part of my of insecurity i heard brian um guess on his and <laughs> it's really humbling um, <laughs> yeah i i've been blessed to i attend the east local and in independence we are blessed with a lot of ministry and for the you know for the number of members that we have at the east local we have a lot of ministry so we're not asked to preach that often because there's so many of us to offer and, and serve so I would say, I was trying to do the quick math on this. Sixteen years, um, I have probably preached. I would say f- maybe five to s- seven times a year. It, you know, so quick math on that. What is that? Um, maybe ninety, maybe maybe uh-huh. eighty to ninety sermons, maybe. And that's probably on the that's probably on the high side.
0: Okay, okay, no problem. Uh, I remember Chris Moran was was we were talking about this and he's like, so I don't have the record and and something like that. It's like, no, you know, you didn't have the record, Chris. Uh, (laughs) I'm anxious to get uh, Steven on here, Steven Stratton. I'm pretty sure he can give me the exact number uh, maybe on one hand. So, but he he's, he's coming. So it's not a competition, but it is a curiosity uh, to know. uh, uh, I like numbers. I like, I like statistics. I like facts. I also like to, I'm an underliner, highlighter, uh, so I'm curious what your scriptures look like. Do you, do you mark up your books?
1: Uh, I don't. I mean, I do highlight. Um, I can tell you that this search the search process for finding the right highlighter um, was probably a multi-week endeavor. Isn't it, though? It,
0: you have to find a good one. You have oh, to find I- a good one. Because some of them bleed through. Some of them are like gel, and they stick to the other page. Exactly.
1: And I want to I want to respect my scriptures. Um, I can tell you I still have the same the same Bible that I was given. It's a study Bible that the East Local gave me when I graduated from high school. So it's not it's it is it is getting a little rough on the edges, but the highlighter that I found um, after that I I bought about ten of them. I still have them. Um, I'm very neat in the way that I highlight. I don't write in my Bible um, or my Book of Mormon. I did that once. It was during a sermon and someone said, write this down. And I jotted it down and I've regretted it ever since. (laughs) Um, So that OCD, you know, part of me, I I'll cut out pieces of paper and I will write notes on them and I will stick them in my scripture. But that's as far as I go. So so otherwise, no, they're they're really neat. You
0: know what? That doesn't surprise me at all that you wouldn't (laughs) write in your Bible. Yeah. I, I suspect it is the neatest, cleanest, most pristine Bible. Uh, uh just because of your 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 professional mannerisms and, and you just have a, a quality about you of of I don't know, I, I like it. That's not gonna be scribbles in my stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I I'll tell you I looked over at Randy our brother Randy Sheldon's um and It's it held is, together
0: it, with duct tape.
1: Oh man, my goodness. And I, I wish it could tell a story. I mean the places and the things that those scriptures have seen i'd love to hear it but yeah sure. it's yeah mine are definitely not that
2: <laughs>
0: okay okay so uh we're to the part where you you get to uh chime in give us your ten favorite scriptures and i'm gonna try to speak less i uh, i'll try to comment when something uh i don't know i'll i'll let you take it from here yeah uh, what are your uh scriptures that you brought for us today
1: okay so it's a <sighs> It's tough to whittle down, and I hate, I hate to use the word um, favorite. I'll just say the, these are the particular ones that I chose. I chose these because I feel that in my life, these are the ones that I tend to go back to most. For my own comfort and my own um, preparation for, for study, for Sunday schools, for sermons, these are the ones that I find myself relying on and, and drawing the most strength from. Um, and I think I'm pretty much going from beginning of the Old Testament of a few from I'll end with the Book of Mormon and uh, it kind of goes in order here So it worked out pretty well. The first one is 1st Samuel uh in the 17th chapter and you know for those who are well versed in the scriptures in what's going on right now is the story of David and Goliath, and this is something that we. This is one of those stories that we learn about when we're a little. When we're little, um, it's very easy to relate to, the size aspect of it, the fear aspect of it, but the older I get, the more that I feel like it applies, in every part of my life, and just is a. I'll go ahead and read, starting with, the forty-first verse. Verse So the, so the armies of, of Israel are, are met up against the Philistines. And the Philistines, as we know, um, have chosen Goliath, who's a, who's a champion among them, to come out and fight against David. And starting with the verse 41, it says, And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand." And I will smite thee and take thy head from me and will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And it's and it's, that, it's those few words right there in verse 47. The Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and that is that is a that is a truth that I have to remind myself of all the time, and it's one that I want us all to hold hold close to our hearts, because we're given to fear, and it it doesn't matter what it is we're afraid of, it's all the same in the eyes of God, and and we have to remind remember that it's not our fight. It's the battle is the Lord's. And I just think that that's so profound and it's given me so much strength in my life. And I, I mean, even right now, is that not a, is that not a perfect thought to keep in our, in our hearts every day? The battle is the Lord's.
0: I, I have to interrupt right here and say, I, you gave a sermon not too long ago and I remember watching it. And afterwards I went to Facebook and I sent you a video of the, our family did a a movie during COVID-19, you know, we're all locked at home. So we made a family movie of David and Goliath. And there's this speech that, that David's speech at the end. And my son, Ethan gives it in this really cute voice. And he gives it while he's twirling around this bag of rocks and he's flipping it around his staff and and I'm telling him the words to say and then he repeats me and then I had to go back and edit it all out but the end of it the end of it of it all with the the trumpets playing and this background music and the sentiment of that speech it just it gives me goosebumps and it and it brings a tear to my eye and it and it causes me to just say to to glory in God and the power of God who is who is on our side who we come in the name of God and that i cannot disassociate that that story and that that section of verses from my son Ethan who's 7 uh, uh shouting out and i will smite thee and he and his voice cracks when he says i'm starting to get choked up saying this and i will smite thee and i just kind of I lose it a little bit there and it's such a innocent and powerful, um, uh, 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 moment. And it's all about faith in God. It's not about, you know, he's this little, and I know David, you know, David wasn't seven when he did this. Right. But the sentiment of us, we're little, but it's God who gives us this great power through him that we, we can do this. So what a great start. You, you've already got me, uh, uh, shaken up.
1: Well, it, you know, just to add on to what you're saying, when we're faced with trials, we all become that seven or nine year old boy who's saying that. And we feel like our voice is cracking. And who are we to face up against this foe? Well, it's not us. We don't we don't have to fear there. it. The battle is the Lord's. It. The, the confidence that David had was not in himself, obviously. He had no reason to have that confidence outside of a power beyond him. And so, yeah, like we may feel like we were we're, like we're the size of Ethan, like we are the, you know, no reason to have that confidence. But we have no reason to not have that confidence. The same God that was there with David in that moment is there with us in every moment of our life. So uh, I'm going to go on. um, My second My second second scripture is Isaiah 55. And um, so I will start with the, let's see, the sixth verse, Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which i please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto i sent it so i i find myself stumbling in my life not just in sin but in understanding and you know like this is this is the eternal struggle that that mankind has always had trying to gain an understanding of of a force beyond us, of an under of a knowledge of a creator, of, of some kind of power beyond us. And and I have to remind myself when um, when I can't find answers that I that I am looking for. When I'm falling short and, and really grasping onto something, remember eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. When, when the Lord has chosen a path that I don't agree with, when something is taking place that I feel like, well, maybe God, maybe God isn't really in, in charge of this one. He is always, he is always in control. And, and, and my inability to understand what God is doing does not void his control. He, so I have to check myself. And I have to check my desire to have more understanding and trust that I'm dealing with, with an omnipotent creator that it's beyond, I, the, the fraction of what I, the smallest part of what I can understand is nothing before him. And so I I will tell people who are struggling because I felt like the Lord told me once, do not let the things that you don't understand make you question the things that you do. I know that God is there. I know that he is in control. And my job in those times is to, is to, is to trust that the word that goes forth out of his mouth is going to accomplish the thing that it's intended.
2: So like
0: that, I like that sentiment, that, that bumper sticker there. Uh, Say it again. Do not let the things that you don't understand
1: make you question the things that you do. <laughs> Does that that's make great. sense?
0: Yes, that's great.
2: Because
1: I will do that. I will follow that path. I don't understand this. And, and my doubt, be, and my, it, it's, and I will, you know, like we said, it's hard to forg- forgive ourselves. And I've got to remember that's a human condition also. That's a human fault. The, and it's okay to want to know more. God wants us to seek that understanding. But we're, it's always going to fall short. And so faith, faith is required to cover that gap, to bridge the gap there between our lack of understanding and and God's, God's sovereignty, you know, he, he, like his ability and his promise that he will accomplish everything. And I don't always have to understand how that's going to take place. But I do, but I do have to trust that he will do it. I will uh, go to my next uh, scripture, which is in Jeremiah, in the 29th chapter. And this is a shorter, um, just three verses here. Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. There's so much. There's so much, just in those three verses, for me to for me to to gory in. That God Almighty, the God who sees all creation, has thoughts about me. He has thoughts about you in particular like i i i can't wrap my brain around it but but the creator of heaven and earth has had me on his in his heart on his mind in his consciousness he is aware of me and those thoughts that he has are thoughts of peace and he has an end point in mind for me and so so, so that the joy like the peace that, that inspires me is so inspiring. It is is so motivating, and we need the motivation because because there's um, a commandment there. There's there's an expectation on the Lord's side. Then you shall call upon me, you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. We, he wants to hear us. This our, our Creator wants to hear us. And when you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so there's, so there's the check for me. There's the question that I have to ask myself. Am I hearing the Lord? Yes or no? And if I'm not, why am I not hearing him? Am I searching for him with all of my heart? I mean, that is, a, that is more than a reasonable expectation of the Lord who has chosen to bless us, who has chosen, us to, chosen to give us the most precious thing that he could give us of his son. And that's what he should—he needs to expect from us when searching for him with all of our heart, holding nothing back. And so I love—I love the peace that it gives, but I also—I also, I also uh, love the expectation that it has and a standard that it sets. And if to ask myself, am I meeting that standard? Am I actively seeking the Lord and searching for Him with all of my heart? Uh, the next one that I have, I'm going to trying to decide which one I want to go to next. I'll go to Colossians. Go to Colossians, the first chapter, and it's going to be the 16th. I'll, I'll read the 16th. Start with the 16th verse. Actually, 15. who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell <laughs> this is this is one of those um, passages in the scriptures that that expands my concept of an uh, understanding of what Christ is um almost every time I read it the, the more that the more that I dwell on this, the more that I ponder it, um, I feel like the more the Lord blesses me and helps me understand the uh, the words that it says here, the preeminence of of Christ, that every that everything, everything is Jesus Christ, everything, every part of the gospel, every word that is was written down was pointing to, and and coming from jesus christ in the place that he should have in my life um i i'm sure you have i'm sure you have thoughts on that it, it's hard to re- there's there's sermon after sermon in this it pleased the father then that, that in him should all fullness dwell the beginning and the end christ was there it's the head of the body in the church that counters so many beliefs in the world today, even among Christian churches, Christ is the head. There is no other head for the church. It is Jesus Christ.
0: One of the things I think sometimes uh, in the Church of Christ, we we uh, we can focus on too much. We we get bogged down in the truth of the gospel, the doctrine, the authority, the the absolute. Uh, uh, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say the, the the purity and proof that this is the church of Christ. And we sort of toot our own horn. We, we, we lift up this church of Christ organization and I think we, we can kind of get stuck there. And one of the things I love about the Baptist faith or, or a lot of the Baptist people I see, man, they are all in on Jesus Christ all the time. And it all points to him. Uh, uh at least in my uh, reflection, um, when I come and I see other churches, they sometimes they do it is better than us. They worship Christ better than we do in the Church of Christ. I think that's such a condemning thought. But I can I get bogged down in in the the um, what am I trying to say the message that we try to tell the world about the truth of the gospel and how the church of christ is the church and then and all of that we lose the fact that you know we are it is the true church of christ because of christ because we have to serve and worship him and i think we lose it a little bit lose sight a little bit and and we kind of are proud of of us of our church and that we are a part of this faith of the church of christ and the restoration But I see a quality in other churches where they there are Christians out here who recognize the the dependence on Christ sometimes better than we do.
1: You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, It's something that I've been that I've had a tough time with for for quite a while now. I, I I believe that our job, you know, as it says in the scriptures, is to preach repentance and faith on jesus christ we we don't have to preach the church of christ if we preach jesus christ he will point to the church that as it should be his his words confirm confirm the authority his 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 words confirm everything that we believe is the fullness of the gospel or the reasons why we are the true church my job is is to point to christ my job is not to point to the church of Christ. You know, the church of Christ is there to perfect itself and to be to be the bride of Christ. Right. Christ is the bridegroom. And I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because I have scriptures that echo the point that, I, that you made about other faiths, maybe practicing that better than we do. We, we God wants to be praised. God wants to. Yes. To have all the all, all the honor and all the glory. He does not, I can't, I don't believe that he wants the bride to have the glory. He wants his son. I mean, his son entered into the waters of baptism. And what did, what did God send down? He sent his dove and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That That was his pleasure. His son, all the fullness, all things were created for him and by him he is the image of the invisible god that that should be our continual focus and what what we are preaching what we are singing about what we are pointing to everything should be directed to christ himself and I, so i i agree with you completely i don't think that it's wrong for us to examine if we're meeting, you know, God's expectations, if we are operating our services in the manner that honors, that honors Christ and praises Christ the way that he uh, has called us to. I, I think that that's healthy and that that's something that we should we should always be. We should be striving to improve and to grow in the way that we do that. Um, so the next. Let me see the next one. Um, I'll go back to, you know. Let me go to 2 Timothy, because I think this might kind of dovetail um, into what you were saying. Uh, so this is so the letter that, that Paul wrote um, to Timothy, and he was a father figure to him, and he's, and he's, he's getting old, and th- he knows that his time left on the earth is short. And um, in the fourth chapter, 2 Timothy, he talks about this with the sixth verse he says for i am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them that love his appearing i I've I've been aware of this and I'll I'll tell you, there was um there was a, I saw, read a column one time. It was, it was Billy Graham and someone wrote and asked him a question. He responded to it and they said, they said, can you tell me that you are absolutely sure that if you died today, that you would go to heaven, that you would see the Lord? And he, his answer was, I, without a doubt, am absolutely positive that if I died today that I would, that I would be accepted, that I would walk into heaven and and the Lord would greet me. And I remember reading that and I was, I was maybe I was in my early twenties and my first reaction to that. My first emotion was jealousy because I couldn't say that I felt that confidence and I've wanted that ever since I've read that. And, and as I read, I read, the apostle paul he had that confidence he says it right here i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith henceforth there's a there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness he knew it was waiting for him it wasn't arrogance it was acceptance of god's grace and and in i want us i want us to internalize that i want us to accept God's grace, I want that for myself. I want that for my children so badly. And I think that true praise can only happen when we accept that grace that he gives us that allows us to have confidence. Does that mean that we don't ever sin? Absolutely not. Does that mean we don't feel guilt when we sin and we're not brought low into humility to repent of those sins? No, it, it, it is not it is not an overconfidence. It is not an arrogance. It is, it is the faith. It is the trust that God wants us to have in him and, and to accept those promises. So I, I find myself, I find myself coming back to that. In, if, if today was the day I, I want to know on my heart that, that I have been forgiven And that the Lord is waiting for me and that crown of righteousness is going to be placed on my, on my head. I, I want that. I don't know that I've gotten to the point where Paul is, but I'm working towards it. Um, The next one I want to, I want to read is I'm going to go back to um, John and it's in the 15th chapter. And it's, um, no, I went too far. It's the 14th chapter. So the 14th chapter of John in the 15th verse. And, and Christ knows that he's going to be crucified shortly. Uh, he is, he's giving his disciples instruction. He's not just giving them. He's giving all of us instruction. I, w- I love these verses so much. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And there are, there are just times in our life where we feel, where we feel alone. Uh, we feel despair and and God has promised the the eternal God has promised that he will not leave us without comfort that he has given us a part of himself to dwell in our hearts in our minds in our souls every day and in that and that spirit it it encourages us it informs us it gives us strength, it will always be there. I it, it is so encouraging, it's so uplifting that that this God, the creator of 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 everything, is given me a part of himself to carry with me every day.
0: One of the things about that verse and I know I was just talking about this the other yesterday in a conversation and what I what I like about it is that 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 comforter that he said, he and I actually said it, it was, he will not leave us comfortless. And I said, you know, when we grow up in the church of Christ, we take that for granted. And I think I take it for granted. I have, I have been, God has not, I think I said, in another podcast, that he has not allowed me to fail. And I, and I take it for granted that he has been with me all the time. And whenever I look back at my life, I see him there. I, but I take it for granted that I have this comforter with me, all the time and I don't sometimes I wonder if I just don't notice he's there because it, it's so natural or I just don't have the fear that a lot of my my high school friends even back then I always had this comforter with me and I knew I was okay and I never had a, a fear Uh, uh I, I don't know there was a fear that I didn't have that I probably should have but I, it was just gone I had this comforter with me now part of it is uh, that didn't stop me from my own, you know, uh, uh, errors and mistakes in life, but I was not afraid of what this world could do to me. It's more like what I, I'm afraid of what I did to myself, but, but this comforter and this confidence in, in Christ and in the church and the, and this verse and faith and what the scriptures tell me, he is with me. I love that. And, have, and it has always been with me. And it is always one of those promises that I've leaned on. This is one of my favorite verses too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just there's so many directions that the world will point and and to know that that God himself is giving us direction, that he that he won't leave us. And and you're right. It, if you've grown up with that and you've grown up with that understanding, if you were baptized at a young age, which which I was um, at a young age. I wonder if I didn't like Paul um, say in Romans, you know, where he asks. Should we sin that grace may abound? You know, I maybe maybe I operated like that at times in my life, knowing knowing that forgiveness was there waiting for me. And you know, like, I I'm, I'm sure that I've done, yeah. you know, I'm sure I'm sure that I've done that. Probably not premeditated like that, but no, it's it's something precious, and it's something that each day we we should, we're, we need to remind ourselves of. Of how precious that is of, of how important it is and um you know it it does separate us from the world it should it should naturally separate separate us from the world um i want to continue um the next uh, scripture that i have is galatians and it's in the fifth chapter and uh i'm going to start with the 16th verse says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led of the Spirit, then you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, Faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. We live in the spirit, but let's also walk in the spirit. I, I chose this because it makes it so clear. It makes it really clear that these are the things that we should be looking for. And, and with that. Uh, with that magnifying glass in, in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our souls, and where we, if, there, if we have them, do we have any any idolatry? Do, are, do we have any witch witchcraft?
2: Do we have,
1: do we have any endings, um, revelings? Like, what are we being led to? The things that we bring into our life, the sources of our of our information and our entertainment, our friendships. What are they leading us to? Because there's there's really only two two paths in this life. There's the one that will fill us with these other feelings, the works of the flesh, and there's one that will lead us to the fruit of the spirit. And so, I, I, that's something I feel like I've been bringing up a lot in my in my sermons because I feel like we're being pulled in one of two directions, and I think we see it played out every day in, in our world. There are those being pulled in the in the direction of anger and drunkenness of strife of wrath and hatred and do we feel those things in our life do we feel any things that we're taking part of pulling us in that direction or are we choosing to separate from those things and choose the path of love and peace and joy gentleness meekness i mean do do we look for those people in our lives do we look for that in 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 and leaders, and whatever the case may be, are we looking for those traits? And so I just think the scriptures make it very plain for us. They give us, it gives us um, a standard with which to measure our lives and, and what we're choosing to welcome into our lives and into our souls. Um, did I read? Let me see. Uh, so I think. I think the next one that I have is second Nephi and it is the first chapter and the 114th verse. So Lehi is speaking to his family here, it's the end of his um, long exhortation, explaining, explaining basically creation and the point of God, of God creating everything. Um, when some, when we talk about the book of morning Mormon being plain and precious and, you know, this, this is a case in point, how clear he makes it here. And, um, starting with the 114th verse. but behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. And the Messiah cometh in the fullness of time that he might redeem the children of men from the fall. And because they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good from evil, to act for themselves and not to be acted upon, save it be by the punishment of the Lord at the great and last day, according to the commandments which God has given. Wherefore men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life, through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death, according to the captivity, the power of the devil. So, I don't have um, an encyclopedic um, un- memory and knowledge of the scriptures like some of my other brothers do, and 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 some you know our members in the church. I don't have that. Certain verses stay there, and 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 bounce around in my heart and in my mind and in that 114 verse all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things um is one of those and so i i trust in that when things are happening that i don't understand all things have been done that's what i tell myself all things have been done i will i will say that to myself when i feel like i'm without my bearings um, and I feel like things are in a free fall. I remind myself, all things have been done in the wisdom of Him who knows all things. He already knows everything. And my my part of that is to act for myself. Is to choose. Is to choose the, the better part of this life. And all of us, it's that simple. It's we're free to act for for ourselves. And and God is going to re- reward on one hand or the other, what choices we make. That it goes hand in hand with the next um, scripture that I have, which is Alma, the 19th chapter. And this is Alma talking to his son. And I, I love, I love these chapters where Al, Alma's talking to his sons and the wisdom that he imparts unto them. And so um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm talking too much, so I'll cut this down.
0: No, it's it's good. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing this because I have a lot of sons, and I I also love these chapters.
1: So okay, um, 64 through through 71. I say unto thee, my son, that the plan of restoration is requisite with the justice of God, for it is requisite that all things should be restored to their proper order. Behold, it is requisite and just, according to the power and resurrection of Christ that the soul of man should be restored to its body and that every part of the body should be restored to itself. And it is requisite with the justice of God that men should be judged according to their works. And if their works were good in this life and the desires of their hearts were good, that they should also at that last day be restored unto that which is good. And if their works are evil, they shall be restored unto him for evil. Therefore all things shall be restored to their proper order. Everything to its natural frame mortality raised to immortality corruption to incorruption raised to endless happiness to inherit the kingdom of God or to endless misery to inherit the kingdom of the devil the one on the one hand the other on the other the one raised to happiness according to his desires of happiness or good according to his desires of good and the other to evil according to his desires of evil for as he has desired to do evil all the day long even so shall he have his reward of evil when the night cometh. And so it is, on the other hand, if he hath repented of his sins and desired righteousness until the end of his days, even so shall he be rewarded unto righteousness. These are they that are redeemed of the Lord. Yea, these are they that are taken out, that are delivered from that endless night of darkness, and thus they stand or fall. For behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or do evil. Now, the decrees of God are unalterable. Therefore, the way is prepared that whosoever will may walk therein and be saved. <laughs> I, this, this combats so much of a new age belief in this world that whatever you see as your truth is your truth and you live it.
0: Yes.
1: There, there is a standard. There is an ultimate standard. And God has made it painfully clear. It is, it is, it is plain and precious and clear right here that the works that we perform in this life determines where we will spend eternity. We are our own judges, and it, the decrees of God are unalterable. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much of the world cha- turns to that new age belief and begins to preach it. Decrees of God are unalterable unalterable, and we have one choice, whether we're going to walk on that straight and narrow path, according to God's standard, or we're going to walk on our own and choose darkness. And he's he's told us what we will inherit according to our own works. And it's it's the plain and precious gospel uh, is is so it's so precious to me i'm so grateful that god can make it so plain to me because i can make things so difficult (laughs) and i can complicate serving the lord so much and and really i evaluate the desires of my heart i look for those fruits of the spirit when i sin i repent i truly give those sins up and if i do my my desire is is pleasing to god and i am back in his presence and I can have that confidence that at any time, if I were if I were called to see him, I can I can proceed with love and 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 know um, that he will welcome me in. Um, I think I have one more. I think I just have one more. In the previous podcast, you'd said uh, a prophecy, so that's I hope just
0: that- that's just my personal choice, I guess. I love prophecies. I love. I think you can, number one, you can first off gain faith by seeing prophecy fulfilled around us. And that should, that should bolster your faith. But also it's, it's just a curiosity of knowing the mysteries of God. And I see that in prophecies, like how, how powerful he is and, and you can witness it and see it. So that's just my personal preference. Okay. Um.
1: Well, this is the, this is the last scripture that I have. So it is prophecy. It is. um, We are seeing it played out. um, And it does. It should. It does. And it should gives us confidence um, from the first book of Nephi. In the third chapter, um, Nephi's vision. And he is um, speaking of a time um, towards the end. You know, the second coming of Christ is not long in the future from this time that he's speaking of here and um i'm going to not read the whole passage but jump around um so starting with 214 um verse 214 says for the time cometh saith the lamb of god that i will work a great marvelous work among the children of men a work shall be which shall be everlasting either on the one hand or on the other either to the convincing them of them unto peace and life eternal or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, and unto the being brought down into captivity, and also into destruction, both temporally and spiritually, according to the captivity of the devil which I have spoken. 2.26, And it came to pass that I beheld the church of the Lamb of God, and its numbers were few, because of that wickedness and abominations of the whore which sat upon the many waters. Nevertheless, I beheld the church of the Lamb, which were the saints of God, which also upon all the face of the earth. And their dominions upon the face of the earth were small because of the wickedness of the great whore, which I saw. 2.30 came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God that had descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and upon the covenant people of the Lord, which were scattered upon all the face of the earth. And they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. And So it, it goes on there and it talks about the, the work that will be performed. But I take so much peace and comfort in that. I pray for that. I, I, am, I am praying for that, that, that we will be worthy of it. I think uh, of, of that grace, of that power that descends. Um, and I know that it's going to come because Isaiah 55 told me the thing, the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God will accomplish that thing that is intended. And these are the words of God. The power of the Lamb of God had descended upon the saints of the Church of the Lamb. They were armed with righteousness and with the power of God. I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know how that's going to take place. I know that there are, there are, as our brother Sheldon used to say, there are pure in heart everywhere, and I believe that the Lord is going to gather us together. He's going to gather us in one, and I believe our job is to prepare ourselves for that. So when that time comes, we will be fit to armed with that power, with that righteousness. And I look forward to that. I hope that I see that. I want to take part in that. Um, but I also know that I have a long way to go in, in order to, to be worthy to be part of that. So, so that prophecy, I'm looking forward to, I, I believe that it's playing out. I don't know where in the timeline of events we are at right now. I don't know, but I know that God knows. And I know that, he has called each of us to play our own role. And so that's that's my last um, scripture that I had.
0: Thank you so much for your time. It is almost tomorrow, and I know you're an early riser. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to keep you up too much longer, uh, but thank you for the scriptures. Thank you. I love the last one. Um, to be a part of that time period, maybe— there's an excitement to, uh, in, and within me to, to maybe be a part of it. And then I have to cool my jets and say, you know what, just, it would just be awesome just to see God do his thing. And I don't need to be a part of it. You know, I don't, you know, uh, maybe I'm a little bit scared if, if I, I don't know what to think. I, maybe it's presumptuous of me to say, Hey, I'm part of the church of Christ. Do I get some of that? And I don't, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really mean to be that presumptuous but I have great faith in what the church uh, uh, what the Church of Christ is going to do and the power that God is going to, and I think we're nearing that time, so it would be wonderful just to witness it.:
1: Yes, absolutely. I've just I've been privileged in my life to meet to meet other saints and that exist outside of our congregation and and I don't know I don't know how we'll be gathered together. I have complete faith that God will do it. Uh, when the time is right. um, I just, I I want to facilitate that in whatever way the Lord calls me to do it. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you for answering the call. And uh, I will say good night to Kevin McGee. Thanks for having me. Good night.
3: God of the armies of Israel, thou hast defied. from the host of the Philippines. This day I do the powers of the air. To the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know. There's a God in Israel. Of all this assembly shall know. Kimmy! Okay.